0: podcast, Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 12. Once again, I'm Giazul.
1: And I'm Felicia, and we're your guides to empowered health. Today we're going to be talking about the thyroid. Uh, So we're going to be talking about what foods and supplements can help and which ones should be avoided if you have any thyroid issues. This episode was
0: requested by one of our listeners, and we're more than happy to take on topics that hopefully will help this individual and educate others as well. So the thyroid's a butterfly-shaped gland that is located at the front of your windpipe, below your voice box. So if you massage that area gently with, with some slight pressure, you can sort of feel the wings of the gland. Not everybody can feel it, but hopefully that gives everybody a slight idea of where that is and the size and shape of it. I don't know, at least I find that it helps when I can identify it and sort of like feel things around.
1: Yeah, it almost helps you like connect with it. But yeah, again, don't mm-hmm. feel bad if you can't feel it. I I still have trouble feeling it sometimes, even when I'm doing like a physical exam. I remember learning how to feel it. I was like, I feel skin and muscle and where's the thyroid?
0: Mm-hmm. The first time I tried, I was like, well, there's just skin. And then I put a little bit more pressure. And I'm like, oh my God, if I do this on somebody else, will I choke them
1: yeah exactly so yeah but it is cool when you like can feel it and and connect with it that way
0: Mm -hmm. at least it definitely helped me in anatomy and physiology classes so i hope it helps other people you know connect as well
1: yeah it's like i remember anatomy and physiology exams it was like a cheat sheet you had your body
0: Mm -hmm. it's just like wait where is
1: it exactly (laughs) yeah we're like what does that muscle do let mm, me just teach. move the
0: arm uh, oh. <laughs> and it's true that's one of the things my teacher used to say all the time he would be like i love those exams because you watch the students and you start moving their arms or legs and you're just like yeah that question i know
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly um yeah so what does the thyroid do it's the body's natural thermostat oh yeah i like that i like that description <laughs>
0: Yeah, it secretes two main hormones. I mean, there's other ones, but there's two that definitely are also in control of burning the calories and using them as energy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so controls your temperature and helps with metabolism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the thyroid's involved in a whole bunch of processes throughout the body and like everything's kind of interconnected and one thing kind of jumps off another, but I feel like that's, to summarize the function of the thyroid, that would be a good, a good summary, thermostat and metabolism.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you, things usually go off, it's under two main categories. So like hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism, which we're going to explain in a little bit.
1: I guess we'd kind of explain it now, unless there was something else you wanted to, to say about the well, thyroid.
0: I was just going to say that the thyroid works along other glands, such as the pituitary, the sex glands, and the parathyroid. So, usually, if something's off with one of them, there's something off with the other ones because they're very intertwined. So, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, the pituitary gland is usually in charge of like growth and it can impact the thyroid. So, that doesn't function properly as well as the thymus, and therefore, you get like dwarfism. So, there's that. And then then you have like the thyroid reacting with the parathyroid to balance calcium levels in the blood system and also did you know that the Great Lakes area it has uh, soil really low in iodine so a lot of people in this area tend to have low iodine in their diet because the food we grow here will not contain iodine versus food grown near the sea
1: I did know that that's but yeah that's an important point I feel like that That goes with even not just iodine, but other minerals too in the soil. I feel like our soil is pretty depleted in minerals.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. That's why we have iodine reinforced in some cereals as well as salt. Mm -hmm. But I still prefer to use like seaweed, kelp, and um, oh my gosh, shinosa. Yeah, that's the one. Because those are the ones that tend to have the stronger iodine that's more bioavailable without having to deal with the excess salt
1: hmm what was that what was that last one shinosa
0: what is that so you, you can buy the product it's shinosa it has e3 live it has kelp it has other seaweeds so it's a mix i believe shinosa is also a seaweed on its own don't quote me i have to look that up but it's a whole mix and you can put it into your smoothie you can add it to other foods and drinks and it helps you with the iodine hmm. and it's actually really rich in minerals
1: Ah, I will have to check that out.
0: So Felicia and I were talking and hyper and hyperthyroidism and the thyroid in general tend to drive us a little bit crazy because there's a lot of similarities between the two.
1: Yes, there's a lot of similarities between the two and there's a lot of overlap with a lot of other deficiencies or conditions Mm -hmm. too. So it's, the thyroid is tricky.
0: And it's usually not, you know, a one gland thing. It involves other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start with hyperthyroidism. So hyperthyroidism is just the thyroid working too hard to produce or working extra to create a lot of hormone, the thyroid hormone, resulting in an overactive metabolism, which speeds up the body's processes. Mm-hmm. So some of the signs and symptoms I found were nervousness, irritability, constantly feeling hot increased perspiration, insomnia, fatigue, increased frequency of bowel movements, less frequent menstruation and decreased flow, weakness, hair loss, weight loss, changes in thickness of skin, separation of nails from the nail bed, hand tremors, intolerance to heat, rapid heartbeat, goiter and protruding eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else?
1: I feel like that's a pretty pretty good list. Um, I feel like the main ones that I usually see, is anxiety Mm -hmm. um that's that's a huge one again that's like kind of a general symptom but the anxiety the the heat so and i think you raised another point too um the menstrual issue so the thyroid is definitely connected to menstruation as well Mm -hmm. um and the hormones involved in that so yeah, yeah um there's there's often a lot of overlap i feel between um, like, menopausal symptoms or, like, hot flashes and hyperthyroidism in terms of symptoms. Uh, yep, you kind of stole one
0: of my fun facts for the day, but yeah. <laughs> oh, no, what was your fun fact? <laughs> that um, for hyperthyroidism, it affects women more than men, and it can be seen as menopause, fatigue, mood swings, and depression.
1: hmm Yeah, okay. that totally makes sense. And then... The protruding eyes too, I feel like that's, I remember in textbooks, them showing like the most extreme cases.
0: Oh, God, yes.
1: And I was like, does that actually happen? Um, but- And it, some people, yes. Yeah, it does. Um, but usually it's, it's more mild, but you can still, you can still tell when there's, mm-hmm. when there's something happening there.
0: And like just reading that list, I can relate to at least three of those things, especially the heat intolerance. Like right now I am dying. <laughs> I literally, I cannot deal with summers when people are like, but you're Mexican. I'm like, it's a lie.
1: <laughs> it's been hot these last few days. It's been really hot. Um, but yeah, like the, yeah, like the general symptoms, I feel like. A lot of people, I, I think that happens actually a lot. Um, I'll have people kind of come into my office sometimes and be like, oh, I have this, this, and this, and I went on Google and I have hyperthyroidism or I saw this on a sign for hyperthyroidism and I have those symptoms. So it's like, yeah, they're, they're kind of general symptoms that, that a lot of people can kind of relate to.
0: exactly that's what I was gonna ask you I'm like do you feel like you've been at least a couple of those
1: yeah yeah totally the the heat um actually well I've yeah I feel like I have some symptoms from both hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism oh me
0: too I have like four from the other one
1: yeah the the metabolism what like the um, The weight loss aspect of hyperthyroidism, I feel like I might relate to, and the anxiety. I feel like that's one that Mm -hmm. everyone can probably relate to at some point or another. Which
0: is why when I was reading this and writing it up, I was like, well, if I say these, I can relate to at least three of them on a good day. What about my listeners? Would they all just be like, oh my God, I have hyperthyroidism. I'm screwed or something. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like we can all relate to these.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to know because yeah, I see on Instagram and stuff sometimes too, where like, these are the symptoms of hyperthyroidism or these are the symptoms of hypothyroidism. Get your thyroid checked. And I mean, it's helpful for awareness, but at the same time, I'm like, I have these symptoms and I know I don't have issues with my thyroid. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. what happens to people who don't have that background and see that and they're like, Oh shoot, like there's something wrong with my thyroid.
0: Well, I remember um a teacher in high school and she would read something and she'd be like, Oh my god, I have this. It doesn't matter what it was. She will read it and suddenly like in two or three days she'd be like, I notice I totally have all these symptoms and she goes to her doctor, and her doctor's like, You went to Dr. Google again, didn't you? <laughs>
1: Yes, it, it can be an issue. Even even learning about this stuff in school, mm-hmm. uh, I think they call it med student syndrome, med school syndrome, something like that, where you like think you have everything you're learning about.
0: Same thing happens with uh, people in psychology.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. My mom totally. used to be
0: like, because she told my sister, because she my sister's specialist in psychology as well. She's like, cautious, because you start analyzing everybody, and then you start analyzing yourself. You go downhill from there.
1: Yeah, I feel like it can be even worse in psychology because it's like a lot of the, the things you're learning about are things that you can't really see physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, that would be a thing for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember this whole section. Like I can picture right now in my head, we we're talking about the thyroid, we're talking about the adrenals and all like this cortisol and all these other things. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. That's
1: me yes yeah definitely so yeah so the overall kind of symptoms of hyperthyroidism i would say are anxiety high like intolerance to heat less period or like lower menstruation if that mm-hmm. makes sense uh i and then the the eyes and the weight loss mm-hmm. i feel Feel And probably an increased appetite.
0: Well, yeah, because you're using up the energy most of the time. So you mm-hmm. would have to intake a bit more calories. Which brings me to be my other fun fact was that did you know inflammation and infection can cause temporary hyperthyroidism? Same with some prescription drugs.
1: Hmm. guess that makes sense. Yeah,
0: which I didn't know that that could
1: happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The body is so interesting. It's like a, I, I feel like it's all like balanced. And then when one thing goes off, like anything can happen.
0: Yeah. So the most common type of hyperthyroidism is Grape's disease. Mm-hmm. So your body produces antibodies called thyroid stimulating immunoglobin. that mimics the thyroid stimulating hormone action. And it attaches to the receptors for the thyroid stimulating hormone on the thyroid gland, which causes an enlarged coiter. And it can shut down the body's production of the hormone, but it does not, like your body will still create this immunoglobin and attack the thyroid. Mm -hmm. So your body, like like the goiter itself will start secreting more T3 and T4 and other hormones to try to balance it out. But uh, I don't know. It was, it was a bit complicated, but you end up getting the bug eye look that we were talking about.
1: Yeah. And goiter too. I don't know if we explained what that is, um,
0: no I kind of assume most people have seen
1: that image I feel like for us we've seen it but I I'm thinking right now like if I were to tell my parents someone has a goiter, they'd be like what what is that Um, and I
0: think my parents would automatically be like there's a lump on your throat I'm like
1: yeah that's good that's good I feel I feel like that's not common knowledge but yeah for for anyone who doesn't know what a goiter is it's basically that like a like an enlarged lump on your
0: throat in the thyroid area. Yeah. So that little butterfly gets really big. mm mm-hmm. uh, So another one, which is not, like the next three are not as common, but they're, they're kind of still under the hyperthyroidism, is toxin, toxic adenomas, which are like little bumps and nodules that develop on your thyroid that um, begin to secrete the thyroid hormone, causing an upset uh, chemical balance in your body. Some of the goiters actually contain those nodules. Um, the subacute thyroiditis is the inflammation of the thyroid causing the gland to leak excess hormones, which is only a temporary hyperthyroidism, which I feel kind of relates to the fun fact I mentioned before that could be due more towards inflammation and infection or some form of prescription drug instead of mm-hmm. an actual, like your body just randomly decided, let's do this.
1: Yeah, well, the interesting thing about that is thyroiditis, Mm. that itis part means inflammation. So basically, it's just like, so subacute thyroiditis, if you like break down the words, it's temporary Temporary. inflammation of the thyroid. Mm -hmm.
0: That's why I like Latin.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Latin Latin is not a dead language. It's everywhere. It literally
0: is. (laughs) And then the last one is the pituitary gland malfunction. So it can also lead to cancerous growths of the thyroid gland. But that, I was like, I don't want to touch that cancer part. <laughs> um, this is a rare version of the hyperthyroidism, but it can happen to different patients. And it's usually, again, an enlarged, the re- enlargement of the gland, which causes excess calcium to be leached from the bones into the blood system. hmm That's
1: pretty much all the ones I have for that. Did you have anything else? No, I think that pretty much covers it. So then to kind of summarize hyperthyroidism in terms of what it is. So basically your thyroid, either from having antibodies attack it, which is like the autoimmune side of things, Mm -hmm. um, or some other like either cancer, tumor, inflammation, something is kind of disturbing your thyroid in a way that causes it to produce extra thyroid hormones so you're you're getting extra production of thyroid hormones i feel like this can get confusing when we go and talk about lab testing after because the the thyroid hormones are t3 and t4 and then the the one kind of regulating the production of the thyroid hormones takes a backseat in hyperthyroidism, so that one actually goes down, and that's TSH. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But just TSH
0: is the thyroid stimulating hormone. I've been saying.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. It's pretty much what you said, and apparently with most of what they say is you get the goiter or at least enlargement of the gland one way or another in hyperthyroidism Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a lot like it doesn't have to actually be a goiter but you you're more likely to feel it if you're like looking for it
1: yeah and it almost like it doesn't have to be visibly noticeable but usually when you go to feel the the thyroid gland there's like a little bit like it's it's like boggy almost. there's like a like a soft softness to it, more so than, than you would normally feel.
0: I find that it's easier to find the wings. Mm. like usually that part's the part that enlarges a bit faster, and you can feel the wings slightly more on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At least from the ones I, I don't touch people. This is why naturopathic school kind of was out the windows very quickly. <laughs> so. But that's, that's from my minimal experience of uh, interactions.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, fair enough. That, that makes sense.
0: I swear, like when they told me you were going to have to do uh, physicals to like get your license, I was like, yep, yeah,
1: no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to do physicals with someone watching you with pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very intently. Nope, nope.
0: No. No. I'll go back to my anatomy lab with my dead bodies. They don't move and nobody's judging me ah yes man the joys anyways (laughs) so because your body is burning up so much calories you do need to consume a lot more food but you have to make sure that you are taking your extra multivitamins and minerals because you your gut works really fast as well so there's a higher chance for malabsorption Mm
1: -hmm. I don't
0: know do you agree with that
1: um it's actually not something I've really looked into. It, it's an interesting thought, though. I feel like that's possible. Your body would also be under quite a bit of stress. So I feel Yes, like, it will be. I feel like malabsorption definitely is a possibility.
0: I feel it is, especially if you have more frequent bowel movements.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: probably not absorbing things at a yeah, normal sense. rate. Mm hmm right? Yeah. So um, because of the nervousness, you want to take also a vitamin B complex or have foods that are high in vitamin Bs. So like eggs, whole grains, legumes, meat, dark leafy, leafy greens, liver and organ meats, oysters, clams, mussels, nutritional yeast, and brewer's yeast. But that that's allergy-wise, you've got to be cautious with that one. Uh, trouts and sunflower seeds. The vitamin Bs are pretty much essential for both hyper and hypothyroidism. So mm-hmm. I will not repeat the list later, but I will have it typed up on the site. Perfect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I also vitamin, found B's,
1: the, vitamin Bs gone. are good for managing stress as well, so, mm-hmm. so that's great, yeah.
0: And energy production. hmm Well, for me, honestly, I'm like, vitamin Bs are number one on my list of everything. We need <laughs> it for everything. Mm-hmm. So the EFA, so essential fatty acids like omega 3s and 6 are also helpful because they correct glandular function. So things like having fatty fish, salmon, flax, flax oil, mackerel, cod, herring, oysters again, sardines, caviar, anchovies, chia seeds, walnuts, and soy, but soy GMOs is something I try to avoid and soy is highly pesticide and highly GMO. So I don't know. Mm. it's hard for some cultures to remove that i know but those are also very high in omegas and for like the stress also vitamin c it's a great antioxidant and same with vitamin e mm-hmm. and i found that okay i might pronounce this wrong because it's a plum i've never seen well i've seen it in store once but it did not have a name it's an australian plums Kakadum plums huh Kakadum plums well yeah I'm uh acerola go. cherry sorry I've never heard of those. They're like these little green plums. They look almost, I think they're bigger than walnuts in their shell. Okay. I'm guessing they're very sour from just, you know, the green color.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But apparently they're extremely high in vitamin C. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So cherries, rose hip, guavas. I know guavas are high in vitamin C. That's one thing my mom always gives us when we're sick. Black currant. Mm -hmm. thyme parsley kiwi lemons persimmons lychee oranges and papayas are also very high in it um for vitamin e sunflower seeds other nuts and seeds also have it Mame, which is my favorite fruit in the world which i can't get in canada goose meat atlantic salmon mango and avocado as well as uh rainbow trout snails kiwi and octopus okay Mm -hmm. lots of options there Mm -hmm. I also found that if you eat cruciferous vegetables, it helps, you know, suppress the function of the hyperthyroidism, which is what you want. Obviously, with hypo, you would try to avoid things like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, et cetera, et cetera, because of that. But in this case, you're okay. And obviously, avoid nightshades because they tend to increase inflammation.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just in case anyone missed it, the cruciferous vegetables, which are broccoli, kale, cauliflower,
0: Brussels sprouts, brussel
1: sprouts, there's um, a lot more, eggplant,
0: no that's in my shit, sorry.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that next. So basically mm-hmm. like, I feel like the cruciferous vegetables are usually the stinkiest ones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of helps me remember like that, whatever has that like, sulfury broccoli type smell Mm -hmm. um so you want to have those in hyperthyroidism and kind of avoid it in hypo Mm -hmm. and then nightshades can be inflammatory for a lot of people so Mm -hmm. avoiding those if they cause issues for you and the nightshades are things like tomatoes eggplant white potatoes uh,
0: peppers of all forms peppers, and shapes, yes. and paprika, goji berries. Mm-hmm. There's a huge list.
1: Yeah, I feel like those are the most common ones, but yeah, there's definitely more on there.
0: Mm-hmm. I also found that if you are a you should avoid coffee, tea, nicotine, soft drinks because all of that is a stimulant. So it mm-hmm. clearly doesn't help with you, your nervousness.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Definitely, and it also kind of burns you out more.
0: Yep, you have a crash right after.
1: Mhm.
0: Um, my herb book said uh, that you want to use like relaxants and bitters, so the Buggle weeds nettles, valerian, and yarrow.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have mm-hmm. anything else? Well, in terms of relaxants, so I feel like. Lemon balm is a really relaxing herb overall, and it actually mm-hmm. um, has been found in animals to decrease the production of t three and t four Nice. so lemon balm would be would be a good one for hyper but not so good for hypo mm-hmm. so and lemon balm is is another one of my favorite herbs because it's just it tastes good it's calming it grows very easily mm-hmm. and Yeah. I used to
0: have it in my garden like we would plant it last year and just harvest it and use it for tea afterwards
1: mm-hmm. yeah I have it in my garden too it's spread quite a bit um, but you can never have too much lemon balm no you can't it's it's great stuff
0: mm-hmm. all right so hypothyroidism to simplify it is the opposite so you make very little hormones Mm -hmm. congenital hypothyroidism is the absence of the thyroid or you are born with a genetic mutation that causes your thyroid to work um
1: (laughs) improperly there we go so Mm -hmm. but yeah so hypothyroidism is um when you're not you don't produce enough thyroid hormone but with this one the thyroid stimulating hormone we we're talking about the tsh which is mm-hmm. often measured in lab work would be higher than, because
0: you want to get it to work
1: yes exactly mm-hmm. so but thyroid hormone is lower and yeah like you said it could be a genetic mutation um there are other causes too. Maybe we talk about the signs and symptoms first. Oh uh, yeah, just let me say one more thing. Like yeah. in Canada, at least
0: we um test for it on in children because if it's not done immediately, like if you don't test when kids are very little, you can have a lot of other issues like intellectual disabilities. And oh, yes. another result from hypothyroidism is having really like puffy bags under your eye called, mxedemia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my last fun fact for that one was. Usually, fluoride in the water can affect it as well. Like, it blocks certain receptors in your thyroid. High consumption of saturated fats, endurance exercise because of the stress, pesticides in fruits and vegetables, and x ray radiation, along with alcohol and drugs, can affect the thyroid severely and lead to hypothyroidism for those who are not congenital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, shall I give my list of signs yes. and symptoms? Yes. <laughs> Let's okay. Hear chronic fatigue loss of appetite intolerance to the cold low body temperature low heart rate easy weight gain elevated cholesterol painful pms heavy periods milky discharge from the breast fertility problems muscle weakness muscle cramps dry and scaly skin yellow and orangey coloration of skin especially in the palms yellow bumps on eyelids hair loss even on the eyebrows reoccurring infection migraines hoarseness of the throat repeated infection, constipation, depression, difficulty concentrating, slow speech, goiter, and droopy soul and ice. And okay. I identify with four of those at least. And the weight gain one,
1: I'm like, yep, I breathe and I gain a few pounds. So, Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's like very, it can be very general symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, so... There's, there's a few clear differences, though, between hyper and hypo. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be, like you mentioned, the weight gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, with hyper, it's weight loss. With hypo, it's weight gain and a loss of appetite as opposed to a, an increase in appetite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the hyper, you see, like, the more kind of anxiety, agitated, sort of picture where with the hypo you kind of see more of like the sluggish maybe leaning more toward depression kind of picture well for both of them you tend to have
0: the same thing like i wasn't like my fun fact was to me there's similar symptoms to sugar intolerance in menopause and depression which is kind of like the same thing as the above
1: mm-hmm yeah although i feel like it's like in a in a bit of a different way like yes yeah so like there's there's the mood changes but and the depression i feel like yeah hyperthyroidism is like more like depression i feel would be more it would look more like an anxious sort of angry depression as Mm -hmm. opposed to more of a like lethargic withdrawn withdrawn sort of depression with um with hypo mm-hmm. um and then the the menopause or menstrual changes with hyper it's more toward losing period and then hypo is more heavier periods
0: and i feel like when it comes to mood wise the shifts will be quicker and the hyper and they'll be angrier quickly like anything will irritate them versus um hypo they'll just be like oh, I just don't want to do anything I'm in so much pain
1: yeah yeah exactly there's more of like a lethargic feeling with the hypo um,
0: now that doesn't mean that people that are with hypo are obese because I have met two people with Hashimoto's and they're thin 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 mm-hmm. thin thin
1: yeah well Hashimoto's is interesting because it can kind of go either way sometimes
0: really it's usually yeah. what I've found is under hypo
1: it usually is, um, but I know, uh, I might have to double check on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in, like, it's more rare, but it can kind of go either way. Hmm. Um, let me just check back quickly. Hmm.
0: Well, in the meantime, while you check that out, so the most common symptom from what I found was fatigue and co- cold intolerance is what gives most people away. So like if you're in a room with a bunch of people and everybody's rather warm and you're the one that's usually feeling cooler, mind you, like we said, take it with a grain of salt, there's a chance that you could be the one with hypothyroidism. The other one is that it is more common in women ages 30 to 50, they're more prone to developing hypothyroidism, which, you know, I mean, if you're in the 50 range, doesn't really help if you're starting menopause or going through menopause.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You would kind of have, yeah, yeah. Both, both things going on.
0: Makes it a bit of a challenge to identify mm-hmm. which one it might be you might think it's natural, while in reality you could be dealing with a disorder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Anything yeah. on the Hashimoto's? Yeah, so <laughs> I I think I was wrong. It can happen, but it's like very rare. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so Hashimoto's is mostly hypo. But yeah, I've definitely seen people that are not overweight with Hashimoto's. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, that the most common cause of both hyper and hypo is autoimmune. Yeah. So. It, I noticed that. Yeah. So I think that kind of just goes to, to speak to a lot of, a lot of conditions. That mm-hmm. we see kind of on this side of the world today, like autoimmune is usually is usually a, a big factor, and in both of these it is.
0: Well, I mean, what were we talking about with the whole allergy thing last time?
1: Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I
0: don't know. Maybe we do need that vitamin D and other stuff.
1: And vitamin D and more time it. in the dirt.
0: Yes, vitamin D, more time in the dirt, and let's add vitamin B because clearly we need to relax.
1: Yes. Plant
0: valerian, plant lemon balm, let it spread, take over the garden. Maybe when you walk by it, you'll absorb some of the oils and the smell will relax you. Yeah. And lavender.
1: Lavender, lavender. And if you're Unless planting you're them, you get like benefits from vitamin D from the sun. You're <laughs> in the dirt and you get the- You're exercising. Relax- yeah, exercising. So basically everyone just needs to garden and we're all good.
0: Yeah, the government should change it so that it's mandatory minimum twice a week. Everybody has to be in their garden and we, everybody has to plant lemon balm, lavender, some relaxing herb.
1: Yes, that would be the solution to all the problems, I think.
0: Yep. Yeah. except for winter. We need to find something for winter.
1: True, true.
0: Artificial vitamin D lamps. Like we do in Nordic countries. That's Stand with your with your lavender plant underneath you and just have the the little vitamin D lamp going around you. Mm-hmm. That way you get the smell and you get the vitamin D when we tackle a few of the problems. Yes. So yes, Hashimoto's is the most common. It is, again, autoimmune, so the body is allergic to the thyroid hormone and it produces antibodies to attack the thyroid. This usually causes the thyroid tissue to die, which stops the production of the hormone. You can get goiters from it, but I don't know. That one was also, I said that the goiter can come from lupus, anemia, infections, and rheumatoid arthritis. So, uh,
1: yeah, which are all kind of autoimmune conditions as well.
0: Exactly. But it's highly, highly recommended that you avoid nightshades for this one because it does cause inflammation, which will aggravate the immune system.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. So, lithium is another thing that affects the thyroid, which is commonly found in um, bipolar medication mm-hmm. and causes the thyroid to malfunction.
1: Yes.
0: And you know how you were talking about the uh, Hashimoto's being under the hyper being really rare?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As I was looking through things, uh, one of the ones that showed up in my university book, I believe, was Wilson, Wilson syndrome. So, it converts um, T4 into three, T3, but it also decreases the function of the thyroid and it's caused by physical and emotional stress. And this can continue to happen even after the stressor is gone. I was a little bit confused as to what exactly it does. I tried to look it up and I was like, okay, I am not 100% understanding everything. I need to step back and try this again another time. But it has similar symptoms. So you could have the, like, the low body temperature, the fatigue, the headache, the menstrual dysfunction, memory loss, sex drive is gone the anxiety and the panic attacks along with the depression and healthy nails and skin pretty much everything i have mentioned before mm-hmm. but the blood tests usually when they do it everything comes back to normal and that's why it's considered a rare disorder and it's apparently more towards copper toxicity than anything else
1: yeah i have heard a bit about wilson syndrome i haven't mm-hmm. looked in it into it um too too much but yeah yeah it is it's interesting. The I feel like the the main like objective measure of it would be measuring T three levels and then also temperature like low body temperature is really common.
0: Yeah but it's the same thing for the other one. That's why they said that there were when you get tests done it does is not it doesn't show as Wilson disorder. It'll show up maybe as hypothyroidism. Mm. That's why they need to check for copper toxicity, which I would never have thought of. That.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to think. This, I feel like this is like relatively new. Wilson's. I don't know. Uh, like I want to say. Dennis Wilson, I feel like I've, I've gone to one of his conferences or several of his, like seen his stuff. Um, but I think it's kind of, it's something he's seen a lot in practice and has come up with the name Wilson syndrome for it because his name's Dennis Wilson. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I I know, like, I feel like he's had a lot of success with, with treating it as that and and doing things to kind of help with the conversion of T4 to T3, Mm -hmm. which, so T4 is the thyroid hormone and that's usually like they give you, if you have hypothyroidism, they'll give you synthetic T4 or Mm -hmm. like T4 basically that was made in a lab. Um, but that's not actually the, the most active comp the most active form is T3. So the theory with Wilson syndrome is that T4 is being made, but it's not being converted, converted to T3, um, mm-hmm. efficiently. So you don't have as much of the active form of T3. So if you test your thyroid levels, um, which usually they would do TSH and T4, you, and they will show. Yeah, it would be normal, so you wouldn't pick that up. Um, but then Wilson is saying that there's it's not making that conversion to the active T3, and then that's why you have the symptoms of low body temperature and like all those hypothyroid th- symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I'm. Again, I have to look at like his stuff again, but I'm, from what you're saying, it sounds like his theory is that there's too much copper, so it's preventing that conversion. Mm-hmm. T3. So is
0: this one you would like want people to get tested for T3 and reverse T3? Uh,
1: yeah, specifically T3. Like I think in this scenario, the T3 Would, uh, yeah, me too. would be, would be most important.
0: Yeah, not so much a reverse T3. I don't think that one applies to it as much. Yeah. But I mean, I could be wrong.
1: I mean, it might be helpful to know because, like, yeah, if you're not converting to T3, where is it going sort of thing and, like, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, definitely – yeah, you definitely want to know T3 for that.
0: Because I know that reverse T3 is just a- – gets converted to T3 but it's the inactive version of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe that's what happens to T4. It does get converted but doesn't get converted to the active version. It gets converted to the inactive version.
1: Yeah. Yeah I'm thinking that's probably what would be happening.
0: Either that or you're missing the enzyme that actually does it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I'm, like, trying to recall my my hormone pathways and, like, how it mm-hmm. gets converted and what's involved, but I'd have to look into it a bit more, but yeah.
0: I think it was, like, to get converted for the T3 is you take uh, iron, no, iodine from the outer part of the ring versus reverse T3 is the iodine from the inside of the ring, and that was my arm that cracked. I'm sorry. I don't know if you heard that.
1: Oh, oh wow, that was your arm that cracked? Yep. <laughs> that was pretty loud.
0: Yep, that's why I was like, oh shit, I think they can hear it. <laughs> uh,
1: um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, definitely something else to, to look out for.
0: That's all the information my textbook gave me, and I wasn't really willing to go to Doctor Google for it for the day.
1: Yeah, how, I mean, how old's your textbook? I'm pretty sure.
0: Well, I mean, whenever I took it, so like maybe six years ago.
1: Okay. Seven.
0: Whenever I was in university, and I know it also showed up in one of my uh, one of my books from my Chen. That's also at least four years ago minimum.
1: Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is fairly recent, and I just looked him up. I have, I have. Been to conferences where Dennis Wilson has spoken about this, this theory and his his thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, it's
0: it's interesting. I highly doubt he's listening. But like, sir, if you're listening, please explain it to us. We will gladly appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Probably be like, I did explain it in the conferences that you attended, and then be like, I didn't attend. Just just come to our podcast. <laughs> um yeah yeah it's i find lab testing is an interesting thing and like knowing the process behind it can be like behind the cause of something can be really helpful Mm -hmm. to kind of i guess give direction on like what steps to take next but Mm -hmm. usually i'm like okay if this person's not feeling well and their stuff is all coming back normal. There's, like, they're still not feeling well. So, like, let's figure out how to, how to get this person feeling better. And I find a lot of the time, like, going off sim- just symptoms can, mm. be, can be helpful in itself. I find that sometimes reading the body
0: it helps a little bit more. But it's always great to see what the lab results say because you might be noticing all these things. Let's say just simple vitamin B. They clearly need vitamin B for their iron, for this, for that. But the lab tests say that, you know, they're not absorbing the vitamin B. So you have to find out what is affecting that absorption. Yeah, yeah,
1: that totally makes sense.
0: Well, I do have somebody that works for labs. Maybe we can get them to come to the podcast and explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I do a will, podcast I will a podcast <laughs>
0: yeah i think she might be down for it
1: okay yeah Mm -hmm. future podcast sounds good
0: Mm -hmm. so another reason for hypothyroidism is the removal of the gland which have been done surgically or chemically as well as uh, we have excess exposure of iodine from cold and sinus medication dyes that you find in some x-rays for different testings so if you do have hyperthyroidism, maybe high thyroid problems, you should be cautious with that. I mean, they usually screen you for it anyway, anything, but it's always good to have that in the back of your mind. And pituitary disorder, I mean, we were talking about it, how it doesn't secrete the thyroid stimulating hormone and thus the thyroid isn't as active as it should be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, that impacts
1: a lot of other organs. Yes, everything is
0: connected. So, for foods, I found that kelp is definitely number one on it because of the iodine. It's uh, more bioavailable in that one. And, like I said before, the vitamin Bs, the phase, the iron, as iron helps with the anemia you usually experience from the menstrual problems. And yeah, you can get that from oysters, organ meat, dark chocolate, low sugar, of course, white beans, soy again, oh, me and soy, lentils, spinach, and tofu. You also need selenium to help you immunity, mm. and you can get it simply from taking six to eight Brazilian nuts a day. Obviously, not all at once. You can spread throughout the day, but you can also find it from fish, me- fish meats, cottage cheese, mushrooms, brown rice, eggs, sunflower seeds, oatmeal, and spinach, along with dairy, lentils, cashews, and bananas. A lot of them do repeat, so I think it's kind of easy to add some of this to your diet if mm-hmm. you are dealing with it or in general they have a lot of great nutrients so vitamin A is also great because you need it for the skin um so eating livers sweet potatoes carrots black eyed peas spinach mango cantaloupe and apricots help again vitamin c and vitamin e are helpful and zinc so you can get that from meat shellfish legumes seeds nuts dairies eggs whole grain and dark chocolate which makes me realize that the icing i use for my cakes made of sunflower seeds it's actually rather healthy. Mm. I could be eating like icing and be like, "No, I'm actually having all these things for my thyroid."
1: Amazing, yeah. The dark chocolate too. I'm like, dessert for your thyroid." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
0: mean, it has a bit of caffeine, so if you're hyper, maybe not so much. But hypo, go for it. hmm mm. Yeah, there's
1: there's quite a quite a few foods there. I. F- yeah. I feel like it's it's helpful sometimes to have someone be like, okay, eat this food, like the Brazil nuts, for example. Eat six Brazil nuts a day. Cause it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, like now I know what I have to do. Whereas mm-hmm. I find like the list of foods can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming.
0: I do and I don't because if I say like take six Brazil nuts, people are like, Oh my god, that's it, that's all I have to do. But then there's also the restrictive part of it versus if I give you a list. You can, for example, make lentils with brown rice, or you can have mm-hmm. brown rice with your fish and slightly steamed spinach and add mushrooms and make a cream of mushroom or something like that, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, at least
0: in my perspective, it gives me more creativity food wise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense too.
0: But I see where you're coming from because, like, knowing that you can take six Brazilian nuts and you get your selenium for the day is like, sweet, I, I'm done, let's go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, or I'll sometimes do blackstrap molasses for iron. Yep. Because it's like one tablespoon a day. That's all.
0: Oh, that just means I'm going to have to make ginger cookies.
1: Mm. See,
0: this is why I am where I am. Because then I can give you guys baked goods and they're healthy for you. And you
1: can use it as an excuse. Exactly, exactly. That's like the best medicine. Like, Who needs pill bottles when you can have a cake for your thyroid? Yeah, and be like, nope, this is great for my thyroid. You can't tell me otherwise.
0: <laughs> but like, see the list of ingredients; it falls under the list they gave us.
1: Exactly. It's true, though. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, sometimes, especially with something like hypo or hyperthyroidism, you might need like a little bit of an extra boost to get you back on of the right track um whether that be like a synthetic thyroid like substitute sort of thing or or what whatever you need to kind of get you back on the right track but then long term there's so much you can do to kind of keep things where you want them to be
0: my inner child saying yeah that means i get an extra slice of cake (laughs) (laughs) yes but um one thing to avoid or be cautious of, especially if the water in your area has it, is high chlorine and fluoride because they are similar to iodines and they block the iodine receptor in your thyroid. So that means that you're not going to absorb the iodine regardless of how much you eat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to kind of the water issue that we were talking about in the alkalized diet, mm-hmm. all, the, all the stuff in it.
0: And I know fluoride is really hard to, well, chloride as well. Chlorine and fluoride are really hard to remove through a filter because they're very small. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I don't know, maybe doing a double filter, kind of like how I do. I have my regular filter of my water. And then I put that water into my Cintiva filter, which filters out the smaller stuff. I don't know. Uh, everybody has to do their own thing, however they can. That's what I do. But then again, I'm also always cautious having my minerals and my vitamins in supplement form and in food form.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no like one right way to do things. There's just mm-hmm. lots of things that you can do, and you kind of have to do do what's best for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. As for the plants and herbs that I found in my her book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It said gentia and mugwort can help. Swedish bitters usually alleviate some of the symptoms associated with the malfunction. And I'm guessing that's more towards the constipation because I have seen Maria Swedish bitters. And do not take that long term. It's not good for you. It's great short term, but not long term. And it does taste terrible. Uh, aside from that, other bitters and nerve tonics are bladderwrack, damiana, Cola nut, nettle, oats, and wormwood. Did you have
1: anything else? Mm, those are all good ones. Um, the the nettle is one that we we didn't really learn too much about in school, f- mm-hmm. specifically for for like its adaptogen. So, I, I find a lot of the herbs for hypothyroidism are adaptogenic so that basically means that they they help manage the stress response mm-hmm. and nettle is one of the herbs that I discovered after finishing school has those properties and can be really helpful for that so I'm glad that was in there and also it's super high in iron which is there an extra plus yeah so so yeah nettle's a great a great one um and then i also have withania i find that can be really helpful for hypothyroidism because it's adaptogenic Mm -hmm. and i believe it also has um specific properties like for the thyroid Mm -hmm. um google is another good one what Uh, was it google it's g-u-g-g-u-l Okay, I was like, like you mean like Dr. Google? <laughs> Google's good for the thyroid too. Google's actually probably bad for the thyroid because it'll stress you out looking up the symptoms. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I, I never know. Sometimes I pronounce like herbs wrong, and then I'm like talking about it, and someone who's been in it longer than I was like, what do you say? Oh, it's
0: okay. I pronounce everything wrong all the time, so keep going. <laughs> it's fine.
1: <laughs> um, But the Latin name for it is comforum mucol. Then ginseng is another one that can be helpful. This mm-hmm. one, especially like the Korean ginseng, you definitely want to avoid if you have hyperthyroidism. Because it can...
0: Would... No, go on. Yeah
1: because it's adaptogenic, which helps manage stress, but it also is a bit stimulating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, and then...
0: My concern with that one is that I've been told that Korean ginseng is better for men and Siberian ginseng is better for women.
1: Yeah, well, that, that could make sense. So the Siberian ginseng is a lot more gentle. Um, so it's like mildly stimulating. And it's like it's it's just it's more gentle, whereas the panax ginseng or Korean ginseng is Mm. like it's, um, it's just a lot more stimulating. So some people will like maybe make coffee with it, sort of thing, and like use it as a stimulant that way, just because it Mm. is like that stimulating,
0: or like the little energy drinks they have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They taste good. <laughs> uh, I, I stay away from energy drinks and panic ginseng just because I tend to be more on the side of like anxious and like jittery.
0: Oh, me too. But like they used to give it to us, and I was like, "Sure, I'll take it." <laughs> and how did that go? That was fine.
1: Okay. I mean, mind you, I was
0: I was younger, but eh. they tasted great. Hmm. They didn't have sugar. It was just, like, um, a homeopathic thing.
1: Okay, cool. Because mm. I find, like, like some of the not-so-good energy drinks that they sell now, they'll, like, incorporate the natural and, like, add ginseng yes. to it. But it's, like, ginseng and caffeine and sugar. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is drinking this and are they okay?
0: When I see those, I'm like, so you want me to die that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I'm not ready for a heart attack just yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just like read the ingredients and I'm like, oh my God, what what would my heart do if I drank that?
0: No, the ones I got are usually from like um, the Asian stores or when, some, when we used to go to the Chinese doctor, he would sell them in like this little package. They're always red little packages, sometimes with gold and things or black. And I think it's just, like a tea version, so they give you little bottles of saturated tea of ginseng, and then just crack it open and and you like take little shots. They're often like slightly bitter, but they still have sweetness to it. So I don't know if they are sweetened. I don't. I can't read that. And if I, they had the English translation, I was too young to really care. <laughs> but um, they weren't bad. You don't get like boom the energy like you would get from an energy drink, but it's kind of like taking um, Maca or Ashawanda.
1: Yes. Yeah. That makes- so you
0: get the boost, but it's not, there's no no real crash. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel like it would probably be more similar to the Maca than, I feel like Ashwagandha is a little bit more gentle too. Ashwagandha yeah. would probably be more along the same strength lines as the Siberian ginseng. Maybe true,
0: but sure. that that depends on who's taking it, right? So if you want... That's a, true th- too,
1: yeah.
0: You want the, uh, uh, the other ginseng and the maca versus if you want a gentler one, you would go with the ashwanda and the Siberian ginseng.
1: hmm Yeah, and then... I cut you off. Go on with your list. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, So then I have rhodiola, which is... That one was great. That one's a really good adaptogen for like the overthinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for hypothyroidism as well. But like if someone has hypothyroidism and they tend to like, if they're a student with hypothyroidism, for example, rhodiola would be great for that. Um, and then coleus is one that I'll sometimes use too. those are yeah those are the main ones i feel like
0: yoga would help as well in this
1: because you have a gentle
0: like exercise but also to help for both hyper and hypo it would relax you and will allow for the body to exercise without too much stress
1: yeah totally i feel like for hypo you might want to do more of like um stimulating sort of exercise whereas Mm -hmm. the hyper you would want definitely want that like calmer so like I don't know if you've ever done like the yin yoga versus the yang yoga and like those two like I would say so there's yin and yang and yin is more like gentle and restorative and yang is more like generating energy so those yoga classes tend to just be more of like a flow as opposed to here's a pose and hold it Mm -hmm. and just breathe so i feel Mm -hmm. like the yin type yoga would be good for people with hyperthyroidism whereas the yang type yoga would be good for people with hypothyroidism
0: see i never know what kind of yoga i go into because i there's different instructors for yoga in the park every single time the one i do in at the y depends who's teaching it and sometimes you are supposed to be in a relaxation yoga in reality you're doing all these flows and you're like yeah i'm not relaxed at all (laughs) and then um the only two that i'm aware i've done are kundalini and hot yoga and the hot yoga because i was dying in the room it was way too hot
1: Mm, yeah see something like hot yoga i feel like would be definitely a young thing because it's hot yoga is stimulating like it is, even if it, they are like, it's a relaxation class, if it's mm-hmm. that hot and you're doing anything other than lying in sh- shavasana, I've, I think it's stimulating.
0: I swear we did like max max in the whole hour, three to four poses and I was dying. And you just held them, it was just too hot.
1: Yeah, yeah it is, some some people love that i I used to really like hot yoga in the winter just because I was like the room is warm, and I'm just gonna lay there on my mat. And I
0: feel like I would enjoy like an ice room.
1: Oh my and do gosh. yoga there! oh my gosh! I couldn't like go to imagine. a skate ring
0: and just do it there.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I feel like my muscles would seize up in an ice room. <laughs>
0: Oh. oh, um, do you know this homeopathic thing? Because it showed up on my in one of the books, but I didn't really pay attention to it. I just wrote it down and I figured I should ask you. Let's see if I pronounce it properly. Cal ca- calcarea carbon carbonica? Oh
1: yeah. Calcarb, yeah. Yeah. That. What for
0: hyper hypothyroidism? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, that could make sense. So the thing with homeopathics is like they're very, at least usually the way I prescribe them, it's very unique to like the person and like the situation. Mm-hmm. So, two people with hypothyroidism could be very different, and Calcarb could be good for one of them, but the not the other. Um, so, the thing with Calcarb, like, so homeopathics are kind of diagnosed or recommended based on a whole bunch of different characteristics. And it involves like personality and temperature and, uh, food preferences. And like, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, the, the person who would require Calcar usually tends to be that person who's like has difficulty motivating themselves to do things like more on the lethargic side. Uh, they tend to be colder in temperature. There's a whole bunch of other things as well, but that sort of picture fits with hypothyroidism so mm. so that's why it, it's it could be a helpful remedy in that case. Hmm. okay,
0: well see you did a way better job explaining that than me looking it up.
1: <laughs> Happy to help.
0: And you also brought up the uh, more spiritual side of it
1: yeah yeah so the interesting thing about the thyroid the thyroid is located right where your throat chakra is so it's interesting like when i find when people have thyroid stuff going on they also tend to present with what we would expect to see with someone who has like a blocked throat chakra so they might have trouble communicating or um like a hard time speaking their truth or like getting their message across so expressing um, themselves expressing themselves yeah there we go um Mm -hmm. so that that often comes with thyroid issues as well
0: Mm -hmm. no that is true i mean generally if a chakra is being blocked there's something going on in that area because it's energy right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly
0: so we talked a little bit about the T3, T4, and Reverse T3. Mm-hmm. Um I was having a hard time finding the actual notes that I had from IHN about reverse T3 because I know that our teacher talked about it in depth because he did a whole study for it.
1: Okay. And I
0: couldn't find it. So um I had to look up a couple of things and it said that T reverse T three, although controversial, um it's mostly seen in people that tend to diet or are in starvation because the body wants to preserve the energy.
1: Mm-hmm. So instead
0: of converting it to the active T3, it will put it into a reverse T3, so it's still doing whatever job it's supposed to be doing, which they don't know yet, but at the same time saving energy.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I... I know a lot of naturopaths do tests for reverse T3 to kind of, um, look at that. I Mm -hmm. tend to do TSH, T4 and T3. And then like, I mean, if the person's interested, I'll add the reverse T3, but it's like, I mean, usually if there's a problem with T3, that's where I'm like, okay, um, we, we need to do something here. Mm-hmm. i I feel like there are probably people out there who might chew my head off for that and be like no reverse t three is for so helpful for this this and this um mm-hmm. but yeah it's um in general t four t three and reverse t three are not are not usually tested by your family doctor unless there's an issue mm-hmm. um and even then, sometimes they're not, but they're, yeah, it's helpful to, to know so that you, you can know kind of which pathways being, which effective. pathways to support. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There was, um. I mean, I don't do lab testing, but I did look into it. So they said that you could also test for like iodine absorption, but that one involves usually more the radio, radioactive iodine that you have to take and then you get the scan done.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't. I haven't done any of that.
0: Is there any other form
1: to test iodine
0: that you um, know of at least?
1: I feel like there are. I just I'm not done as, them? Uh, yeah, not not super familiar with them.
0: That's fair. Mm-hmm. That is cool.
1: Generally, I find like mm-hmm. generally. On. I'm just kind of like like if if someone has the symptoms of hypothyroidism for example will incorporate foods that are high in iodine and if they start Mm -hmm. feeling better it's like okay well you probably were not uh getting in iodine or like it's like like we use that as a test as opposed to Mm um as opposed to actually testing for it if i was giving like straight iodine to someone like as a supplement mm-hmm. and I would definitely want to know what was going on. Lab. It was even
0: being used, yeah.
1: <clears throat> but when we're just using food or tea, um when we're when we're just using food or tea or like more gentle things, it's kind of using the body as and your symptoms as a test, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: No, yeah, it makes sense. It's like when we were talking about the uh, pH trips to check.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Speaking of self testing, um, I found in one of my books, well, my textbook from the university, I believe, it was talking about self testing for hypothyroidism. So it's uh, you leave a thermometer and a notebook and a pen beside your bed at night. And when you get up in the morning, well, you don't actually get out of the bed. But you just grab it stick it in your armpit for um 15 minutes staying still and quiet and then you record your temperature so if your temperature for the next five days is constantly around 36.4 or lower so 97.6 fahrenheit you're generally quote-unquote hypothyroid
1: yes so. yeah that's actually oh i'm so glad you brought that up i almost forgot about that like basal body temperature is a great way to test for for whether you're
0: hyper uh, or hypo
1: yeah if your thyroid's working properly um i i find a lot of people tend to be on the lower side in general but yeah it's a it's a great way for kind of measuring or checking for that and if, mm-hmm. if you're low and you have the symptoms it's like okay there's something going on here also a good way to track your menstrual cycle
0: i've heard i haven't done that i'm too lazy to do it but i want to try one day
1: yeah it's super interesting (laughs) if you have like a regular menstrual cycle it's cool because like you will see the the peak in temperature around ovulation Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's cool to see um but yeah i used
0: to notice it more when i worked during university. So I worked at a Walmart and I was in the baking department. And most of the time I can go in and out of the freezer without wearing a jacket, but there would be a point when my body temperature lowers and I'd be like, oh, my period's coming. I'm getting cold in the freezer. I need the jacket.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's cool when you get in tune with your body. That's, that's another reason why I like to use the body to measure things more than lab tests. Because mm-hmm. I find when we do lab tests, like, it almost takes you out of it. It's like, well, the lab test said this. Where, whereas when you're kind of gauging by, like, how you feel and what your body's doing, there's, there's more of a connection there. And, like, you're learning about your body and, like, the, the power that you have yourself to heal as mm-hmm. opposed to it coming from, like, something external.
0: And to like measuring against the norm that you don't know where the norm was taken from. It could exactly. be healthy males in the age range of twenty to 25 and you're like, I'm a female age 40 to something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so
0: it all depends.
1: Yeah, there's but definitely part- a place mm-hmm. for lab work. Uh, yeah. It also, it's good to, to get to know your body.
0: And that's yeah, why I love, sure.
1: I love things like measuring basal body temperature because it's like you're doing it yourself and you're like int- like you're you're learning how amazing your body is and how in sync it is with things. Mm-hmm.
0: And how it tells you, you just have to be educated to be able to understand what it's telling you.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So for those who want to try it, the regular body temperature is around thirty-seven degrees Celsius or ninety-eight point six Fahrenheit and anything below is usually hypo and higher it will be hyper again take it with a grain of salt you'll have to make sure that you know have all the signs or symptoms or some of them plus that and then still go see a health care provider and be like can you test it for me just in case
1: yeah and even even if you are taking your basal body temperature and recording it like definitely do something like that with a healthcare provider. Cause I, I'll see people kind of around the 36 range and like every, and it's not a concern. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, if, if you don't have experience with knowing what a normal temperature is and like the mm-hmm. range around that, be careful. Cause it's like, yeah, sometimes people can see like, 36 instead of or 36.5 instead of 37 and it's like oh shoot i'm below like something's wrong and it it might not be the case and then you're kind of giving yourself extra stress for no reason so
0: exactly and if you're a woman like we're saying your heat will go up around ovulation and decrease afterwards so Mm -hmm. it depends when you're taking it
1: yeah Or even like if you're feeling great and you don't have any concerns about hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, like that's a perfect time to get to know your normal because you can, like if you start taking your body temperature, you can just kind of get an idea of what your normal looks like. So then if anything goes wrong, you'll know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which brings me back to the stress thing. So stress, we need a whole, yeah, whole episode just on that thing.
1: Yes, definitely. I'm surprised we haven't done one yet.
0: <laughs> I think we're waiting till we're too stressed to talk about it and be like, yo, this happened to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So again, stress is affected by tea, coffee, chocolate, cigarettes, and anything that will increase the stimulation of adrenaline in your system. That's why people who generally have coffee or tea in the morning tend to have Another one by mid-afternoon because your adrenals are tired and you're going to hit them up again and then they're going to boost you up for a little longer. Which, I mean, it's not good because you tax them, but it happens. Mm -hmm. So by taxing them and stressing your body out, you slow down digestion. Um, Mm -hmm. You also slow down the repair and maintenance of your body, which if you're trying to work on healing your thyroid, it's not going to help. It also speeds up aging and allows for more diseases to accumulate because you're not getting the maintenance you need and hormones get a little out of whack, which can result in affecting the thyroid with weight gain, arthritis, sex hormone issues, and excess cortisol, which leads to a whole lot of thing on its own.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So when your body speaks, listen,
0: and I fall under this one screw, you know, hypothyroidism and hypothyroidism that's, that is my issue stress which I feel a lot of people are under but they just don't realize it
1: yeah yeah well it's it's really one of the things I love so much about getting to work with people is that you hear like so many different ranges Mm -hmm. and like a lot of the time I'll hear from the people who are like doing everything for everyone and like I'm like, wow, this person, like, if I was in their position, I'd be really stressed. Those are always mm-hmm. the ones that are like, oh, no, I have no stress. I'm like, wait a minute. Are Are you sure? And eventually it's like, wow, actually, I am pretty stressed. But, like, yeah. if, yeah, I find if you don't acknowledge that stress, like, yeah, if you don't acknowledge it, your body will acknowledge it for you. Yeah, like
0: you, you get used to it. Yeah. It becomes your norm and then you keep piling on it and eventually you plateau and you're like, oh, that's my new norm.
1: Exactly. And you only
0: really notice that it when it's increasing or you manage to decrease it just the teeny little centimeter and then boom, you bring it back up again and you're like, oh, you plateau and then your body's like, yeah, you know what? i reached my max.
1: yeah. And then it's like, I'm not stressed, I have no stress, but, uh, side note, my blood pressure's up, and my cholesterol is up, and uh, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the stress there, it's gonna find a way somehow to tell you to chill.
0: Or you see people, like, tapping their foot and things like that, you're like, "You, you stress buddy, just a little? (laughs) they're like no i'm fine this is just how i relax i'm like yeah about that um one of my favorite was i don't know if you did this with your friends in elementary school like we would give each other like not fully back rubs but like around the neck area Mm -hmm. and you could tell which one of us was really stressed because it was just solid we were so young and it was like solid you're like oh man this is so hard to give a massage to Yeah. yeah Um, so that's a really quick way to tell somebody's stressed too.
1: Yeah, every time I go to feel the lymph nodes during a physical exam, that's like, yeah, I know right away. if
0: mm-hmm. Someone's
1: holding tension there.
0: I mean, tension yeah. can be held in many different places in the body, but yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so one
0: tr- of the, fl- move on.
1: No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, it can be held. In- stress can be held in so many different places in the body.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I was going to say was there is one food that I didn't really mention in the above, which was fruits containing thyrrhia, so st- like strawberries, peaches, and rutabaga, because apparently thyrrhia causes some similar issues as the cruciferous vegetables, which is the blocking of the iodine for mm-hmm. the thyroid, which is sad because so- strawberries, peaches, and rutabaga were in a lot of the li- like fruits and vegetables that I found that match the nutrients you need
1: yeah so that's the thing i've kind of found mixed research on both that and the cruciferous vegetables in that it might be that the benefits actually outweigh the risk Mm -hmm. Um, so it's still a little controversial in in the sense that yes it's shown in some studies that it might impact the production of thyroid hormone but it's also shown that it benefits the thyroid. So do we cut them all out? Do we minimize the amount that you're getting?
0: It's well, for of- hypo, I found that you should have in moderation, like the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts and all that. But for hyper, it's suggested that you eat a bit more of it so that yeah. it slows your thyroid down.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. What the... Oh, Yeah. Yeah, for sure with the hyper, you would want to eat more. It's the hypo that's like kind of like, yeah, I guess eating less of them would probably be a good, or eating in moderation. Yeah, I like that.
0: I feel like when we Google foods that affect the thyroid or help the thyroid or whatever, you will get them easily just blocked into like, no nightshades, no cruciferous vegetables, no this, no that. When in reality, it's like, wait, hold on. Which one are we talking about?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's true.
0: And one, like, for example, tomatoes have, oh, God, here we go. Another word I'm going to suffer with. MSM, a.k.a. methyl sulfonimethane. Mm Mm-hmm. Something like that. Which apparently is really helpful for the thyroids, But you can't have it in a tomato because it's a nightshade. You can have it in alfalfa, apples, and other leafy greens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's really high in in tomato. But when you're looking at thyroid foods, it's like no nightshades.
1: Yeah. And I think this is also where like something like an elimination diet or food sensitivity test could come in handy. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the nightshades are not something that are causing – inflammation for you then it becomes less of a less of an issue to be eating them they, they do I, tend, I mean they do tend to be inflammatory in a lot of people but yeah I
0: no I agree with you but I've also remember like one of my pros mentioning that you need to be cautious of your culture and all the culture in as well and your own heritage. So, um, knowing where the food originally came from. So if we're just sticking to tomatoes, although Italians are known for the tomato being used in their pastas and their pizzas, tomatoes wasn't it was not the thing from Italy. It was from the Americas. Same with potatoes and a bunch of other stuff.
1: Really? It was just taken
0: back to Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. I didn't know
0: that. I know. This is my, like, I really want a book called The History of Food, which tells you where things originated. Yes. Like, for example, um, rhubarb. I was talking to my mom, and she's like, oh, is rhubarb Canadian? Because a lot of Canadians are always talking about rhubarb. I was like, hold on. Let me look it up. According to Google, it's Chinese. Huh. I know watermelons come from an Asian country, and they were brought to Mexico as a gift when Spain was colonized in Mexico and made Mexico in charge of a s- small island in Asia that belonged to, belonged to them. And they're like, oh, here, have watermelons. And that's why we got watermelons in Mexico.
1: Interesting.
0: I and would I definitely
1: to, read that book, The History of Food.
0: Right? Like, there was, I think it was grapefruit. Grapefruit was a mix between oranges and pomelos that was created in the Caribbeans when they tried to plant them. Hmm. So I was like, oh my god. Interesting. So yeah, back to the tomato thing. Mm-hmm. So like, Italians are used to it, but it's not part of their heritage, so their body's more likely to be, um, the immune response, be like be active versus other people. But then I see Latinos and I'm like, we eat tomatoes for everything, yet some of us are starting to show thyroid problems, maybe we need to cut it out. Same with soy being very common in Asian cuisine but it's not you start seeing certain illnesses being related to her
1: interesting
0: mm-hmm. I feel like we do need to make an um a whole episode on that like yeah. where food comes from
1: yes I feel like a every, lot of research yeah. every episode we come up with 10 other episode ideas
0: we should actually write them down
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. But back to the thyroid. I feel mm-hmm. like we've kind of covered. covered we quite covered much. as
0: much as we could have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, kind of, I guess to summarize so we, mm-hmm. had, we talked about the thyroid gland and where mm-hmm. it's located, kind of at the base of your throat there. Uh, we talked about hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism and what those look like we talked about
0: the most common versions of those
1: yes which was autoimmune surprise surprise
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, we talked about foods and herbs that can help in either case and Mm -hmm. certain ones to avoid in certain cases Uh, we talked about throat chakra lab about exercises yes yes exercising um yeah i think we covered quite a bit and stress stress is something oh, stress. That, that we covered too that we will always cover
0: i swear it's the root cause of everything
1: it's true um, well,
0: yeah if you guys have any other questions feel free to message us we will answer as many as we can if this has helped you please let us know as well we like to hear that it has helped people understand this a little bit better if you guys have any other topics let us know as well we're, we're just happy to talk about all this healthy stuff
1: yeah yeah it's so much fun to chat mm-hmm. and it helps kind of refresh
0: our memory and some of the stuff that we may not use on a daily basis and be like oh that's
1: right I remember this now exactly yeah it's super helpful so, yeah, definitely let us know what you guys want to hear about and what you're curious about.
0: And, again, if you hear the list for hypo and hyper, do not freak out. As I, we mentioned, it's really broad. Mm-hmm. It can be anything. <laughs> um, but we'll be back next week to talk about skin cares and skin products, along with the ingredients, with an organic chemist called Joa. I'm so excited for it. Me too. Um, <laughs> You can rate, comment, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Invite your friends to join our community and improve their health. You can follow us on our social media, sweetnutritionista and
1: Felicia Samza And as always, we'll be posting at least once a week. So thanks for joining us, and see you next week. Happy healing!